What's good people and welcome to another episode of Lead Your Legacy with me, David Elliott. And myself, Dami. Am I giving you my surname? No, you don't have to do full government. I ain't doing that. You ain't got to do full government. What's good? Um, so, today we've got a new episode. This week we're talking about mental health. Yes, indeed. Just for in terms of personal stuff and also professional stuff. Because yeah. I do think they are slight, slightly separate. Mm. I'm definitely going to be talking about my experiences. Mm-hmm. Dami, it's up to you. But if not, you want to share. Yeah. Because this thing, it's always weird. Yeah. So, shall we get started? Go true. Okay. So, the reason I brought this up is because last week was Mental Health Awareness Week. Yeah. And, or at the time that we recorded, by the time this comes out, it'll be two weeks ago, isn't two it? Two weeks, I think so. Right. So, um, and I basically spoke about, I spoke at an event which was hosted by Benita from the Asvice podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, so shout out to her because it was a really good event. So thank you for the opportunity. And I also spoke about it weirdly enough in one of my lessons because I was talking about the NHS with the students. Okay. Um, and on both occasions, it was very weird because mm. it's. I think it's probably like the first time on both occasions I'd spoken about it publicly at least that publicly what, anyway your mental health journey yeah like I, I think i touched on it once in a while but can you know when it's like awkward so you might be like yeah like quick quick snapshot of it but never in depth yeah but then that's why we need to have more conversations about it yeah it needs to stop being so weird to talk about it i get you know there's the whole don't tell people your business and whatever but yeah. when it comes to like mental health yeah a lot can be learned a lot can be a lot of knowledge can be gained from simply sharing your own yeah. personal experience. Yeah. So, yeah, we need to get away from feeling weird about talking <laughs> openly about... No, talking about... Yeah. So, yeah, everyone should check their mental. Yeah, I think maybe doubly because it's weird for me. I'm not really somebody who likes to talk about feelings generally anyway. Mm. Um, it doesn't mean that I'm less emotionally intelligent, although the two were correlated at, correlating at one point. But, like, I just... I, I think not only talking about my emotions, but also talking about mental health. You're right. Like there is, um, I'm not, maybe it's stigma, but also just the general, I guess, consensus that is very difficult for men to talk about their feelings. If that makes sense. Not just men, depending on your ethnic background. Yep. Your socioeconomic background. Yep. You have other things that will hinder you from speaking on your mental health journey. Yeah. So I think it was, it was really important for me to be able to like, to share that mostly i guess for myself because it was it was weird to hear it out loud okay. and to hear people's responses to it um because i've spoken about it like personally with people and i've spoken about it like professionally with people mm. and the responses are generally different because obviously like i'm not a manager when i'm a friend no. do you know what i mean so how i deal with it or how i communicate does vary yeah so i think what we'll talk about we'll talk about personal stuff first mm-hmm. and when then we'll talk about professional stuff first cool feel free to dash out any questions you think people might as always yeah of course and play devil's advocate as well uh, yes let me start by saying this as well actually like i think for me the biggest concern about mental health at the moment is i guess the what seems like a lot of people aren't paying attention to being resilient okay does that make sense sure explain explain right so I think it's like, I think personally, I think it's great that now people are having more conversations about mental health mm-hmm. of all different types of varieties. That being said, I think the, the, the issue of being resilient and how important it is to be able to be resilient and to be able to ride through certain, certain waves and storms is being lost in our desire to make sure that, you know, everyone is okay, which is great, but are we making sure that they are okay, whatever comes rain, or like rain, what is, what's the phrase? Rain, come rain or shine. Rain, yeah. There we go. Come rain or shine. Do you know what I mean? And I think right now that's also one of my biggest concerns. Maybe it's because I lean more easily on being resilient than talking about my emotions and feelings. I think with all things, yeah. it's about striking the balance. 100%. Because people can mis- mistake resilience for keeping it bottled down. Yes. Not talking about it. Yes. Putting up a strong front. Testament to that. <laughs> <laughs> On the other hand, you get people who, are, you know, any slight wind change and all of a sudden they're more, for lack of a better word, fragile. Yeah. 
you know, it's like the whole world stops yeah. because, because the wind has suddenly changed direction. Yeah, and everyone's capacity for, I guess, stress generally is it's different. It's very different, very different. So I think, you know, as real individuals, it is about finding your individual balance. Yeah. So let's go on to personal, your personal life yep. and your mental health. Right. Shiri, do you want to talk about family triggers, relationship triggers? Do you want to start talking mm. about your, maybe a little bit on, you know, your own personal a snippet yeah. of your own, a synopsis, a synopsis. <laughs> of your own personal journey? Um, okay, so like, I think, so you said relationships first. Mm. Right, so I think upon reflection, mm-hmm. I um, like, when I was in my first major relationship, yeah. How think, old were you? Uh, I was eighteen when I started. Okay. Um, oh, I was young. Um, I, I can say that now. Yeah. I was eighteen when I started, but I think at about twenty twenty one. Mm-hmm. Looking back now, I was definitely like of low mood. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Like I was in a rut. I was. I had no, I guess, desire or ambition and I was at uni as well yeah and I was doing a course that I'd worked my ass off to change mm. um or to get onto and so the fact that I'd done all of those things knowing what I wanted to do but I didn't have the desire to do so like I I know why it was because I was in a relationship where like for want of a better way of putting it I wasn't going to be accepted okay and I was always I guess trying to like fighting for the acceptance mm. um Especially because it was on my, it was because of my race. Yeah, it was like I can't really change that. No, nope. and nor to be fair, do I want to. So like, I think the lack of acceptance, but being in a situation, to be fair, keep staying in a situation. I wouldn't say like being kept in a situation, staying in a situation where I knew I wasn't going to be accepted didn't help. And so I think at least for two and a half years of that relationship, I wasn't in the best frame of mind, and it showed. And it's easy, I will say, at that age to misread the signals. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of the time it can be put down to like, oh, you're just lazy Mm. or you're just a hormonal teenager. Yeah. Or, you know, that weird stage of not being a child but becoming an adult. Yeah. And stuff like that. So it's easy to, it's really easy, I can understand, to misread the signs. Yeah. So that being said, I'm, it was clear signs were probably misread. <laughs> yeah. So that was, a, is it a start or is it that is that a trigger for other things? Or no. are you talking about that specific? I think that was a very specific situation okay. for me personally. Yeah. So that was probably like the first time, but I wasn't really aware of it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I think weird enough, you was on the outside looking in. Mm. Um, how did it look to you? Be honest, is it? We're here, isn't it? Okay. <laughs> I, I've not shied away of telling you how it was before. Please. I, it, it was just like you were trying to get blood from a stone. Yeah. And a lot of your friends at the time, yeah. I can speak for the ones that spoke to me about it and yeah. not speaking about you behind your back. No, no, no. This is like common care. Yeah. Was like, what is he doing? Like, what are you generally doing? Yeah. Like, I can say of the times where, you know, you would, because it wasn't, all, it was like an on and off a little bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> on the off times, yeah. I can tell you, hoping that, okay, he's going to see it for what it is now. Oh, okay. And this is not me, and don't get me wrong, yeah. people listening, this is not me shading your ex. Yeah. It's just the situation wasn't right for either of you. Yeah. And both of you were holding on to something that if, eventually we knew was going to come to an end. It yeah. just went. Yeah. So, and you, we could see, you can see that it's affecting you negatively. Yeah. But we... I'm not, not going to say I recognised that it was affecting your mental or it crossed my mind. Yeah. I just knew that emotionally you weren't happy. Yeah. And I knew that it, it would it would come out in your... Some of the ways you would have random... Not random and not regular. I yeah. would say more seldom outbursts. Yeah. But um, that being said... Yeah. <laughs> I will say I'm not going to... I'm not going to try and paint you as like a emotionally volatile person during that time because you weren't as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Very level headed, you were just very strong minded, yeah, very passionate, yeah, and very in love, yeah. So, Stu will do that to you, <laughs> <laughs> Stu will do that to you, hey, but no, yeah. So, I will say from the outside looking in, 
I wasn't thinking about your mentor. I didn't recognize any because when at that time, yeah, and we're talking to ten years ago, yeah, at that time, when you thought of mental health, yeah. it was of the extremes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember where we, we finished college around that time, yeah, and we'd only just started looking at like, both of us, both of us studied psychology, yeah. And you only, and even then in psychology, it's still, when you learn about it, it's still painted as the extreme. Yeah. People who have manic depressive episodes yeah. or schizophrenia. Yeah. People who have delusions of grandeur, stuff like that. You're not really, we don't, we didn't delve into the everyday, like how depression, mm. or anxiety, yeah. how it can manifest in the smallest ways, but it is still a well, indicator yeah, that yeah, your yeah. mental health is not okay. Yeah. So back then, no. I wouldn't have recognized, I don't think anyone recognized it or would have. Yeah. But it's weird because I think like, going back to what you said in terms of like not going behind my back, to be fair, I think most, if not all, everybody said. It was a general consensus. Yeah, it was a very general consensus. Um, It was weird because I think it was general consensus, but then everybody also, they, they, I think everybody kind of was trying to support it, but they were also very like. Because you don't want to seem like a bad friend. I hear that. So that was interesting. But like. I think this is why, like, for um, one of one of my uh, closest friends, like, we had at least two arguments, very loud arguments. About it. Yeah. And here's the thing, you have to remember, at that age, not a lot of us or any of us had experienced that kind of consuming feeling or passion for someone. Yeah. A lot of us were not in your shoes. Yeah. So, and I've, you know, I think I like to say that I've always maintained, I can only speak from what I can see. Yeah. I can't speak from experience that I haven't had. Yeah. So it's hard for us. It was hard and it can be hard for anyone even till now in your 20, your teens, 20s, 30s, 40s. Yeah. To talk to someone and you haven't been through what they're going through. Yeah. People are always going to have that at the back of their mind. Well, you're not in it with me. Yeah. So as much as anyone can say something, it's got to be you that has to, yeah. or the person in it. Yeah. That has to see it. And that's the same with mental health issues yeah as much as other people around you can see something and say something until you i I feel personally Mm. until you within yourself are able to see and recognize or even know and it's not always easy to see no 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 that these things are affecting you or the way they're manifesting is not healthy yeah excuse me i've got hiccups (laughs) (laughs) that's the wine shut up (laughs) must you tell everyone what i'm drinking sorry go Anyway. Enjoy your life, innit? It's true. Thank God for Enjoy wine. Enjoy your life, man. There's a reason for it. Grapes in this form is great. Anyway. <laughs> so, what was I saying? So, until you as a person, yeah. whoever you are, and it can be hard at any age, yeah. recognise and are able to see, not accept, but see, yeah. that there are issues there, then they won't get addressed. Yeah. And I think, like, what you said in terms of, you, di- you didn't, we didn't know much about... If anything at if all. Any, if anything at that age like what mental health was. I think it was weird because when the second, I guess, I guess for one of a better way of putting it, the second episode happened, it was like the only reason I knew that this was, this was what it was is because I'd felt it before mm. in that, in, in my previous relationship. Mm-hmm. So the second time was when my dad died. Okay. And that was just like, that hit me hard. Yeah. Cause I was like, this is very, very weird. Mm-hmm. Um, like losing a parent, it's just it's it's a it's a very different type of pain that I wasn't used to. I can't comprehend. Yeah, it's 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 just like there's somebody that you can't talk to every single day mm. that when you phone them, they can't they're not going to answer. I saw the I think the best way to explain like with grief is that like somebody I, I saw this on Twitter. Somebody said that grief is love with no place to go. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. I just felt like that was that was the absolute that was the best definition of what grieving is like. And so, and I want to say grieving in terms of when a, a, a loved one is lost, but even maybe sometimes you've got to grieve a relationship. Yeah. That's what it's like. It's like you, you've got all this love for this person and you, it's now got nowhere to go. So you have to kind of deal with it. Well, not just love, but all this, let's say feeling. Yeah. Because a lot of things come with loss. Yeah. You know, things are brought to the surface. There's resentment there's regret those Mm. are the negative feelings that can come from it yeah so yeah a lot of i would say a lot of feeling comes with loss yeah that you don't know where to what you have to what to do with it yeah there's no outlet yeah for it so yeah definitely loss is obviously like a major yeah major trigger and and it was really it was really weird because like 
kind of going back to what you said in terms of you don't know what it is. It was only because it was only after I spent like six months, like feeling really, really down, mm. that I was like, oh, maybe I should talk to somebody about this. Do you know what I mean? So I spoke to who did I speak to? I think I spoke to my manager at the time. It was about four or five months. Yeah, I spoke to my manager about it at the time, and he was like, like, is everything okay? I was like, no, this stuff is hard, man. Mm. Like, can't call my dad anymore. Um, can't really go around his house. When I need some advice about certain things, he's no longer there. And so, like, I'm really struggling on having had him at that point for what, best part of 25 years. Mm. I don't know who to look to or where to, where to go for answers that... Because my dad was quite a wise guy. Mm. Where to go for answers that I think will will help me just learn things a hell of a lot quicker. Do you know what I mean? So he was like, okay, look, maybe you should... Um, go to a doctor and see what they say. And so the doctor gave me antidepressants. Eesh. Yeah. So this, so this is another thing, right? Like, I remember, I've, I wouldn't say I had the stigma with antidepressants, Hold but on. go on. And I only say each yeah. because I've, I know, not through personal experience, but yeah. other people's experience, how medication isn't always the best way to go for some people. Yeah. For some people, when it is a real chemical imbalance yeah the medication really is the only way mm. that they can get their balance back again yeah but then you know with medicated there's that it's the gravity of it yeah like because it's not just that you, it's the side effects yeah and it's what it represents as well yeah so carry on like it was uh, i don't think i would have tried them unless like because i tried everything else you know think positive duh, 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 you know do all the strongest prayer and that and it was like it's not, stuff's not working. Like, mm. I don't know how I'm supposed to deal with this. And to be fair, I think maybe that's because I didn't realise how patient I was going to have to be with this. Okay. And to be fair, one of the things that somebody at my workplace said to me was like, look, losing a parent is one of those things that never gets easier, but you do get better at dealing with it. Okay. Do you know what I mean? And so, like, I just don't think I was... I tried to be patient with myself. So that's mm. why I waited four or five months. And then it was like, no, this isn't... Stuff's not working. I'm not... I don't feel like I can think as clearly and uh, as decisively as I am used to. So that's why I went on the antidepressants. And to be fair, I went on them for about two weeks. My days, do it's very, very weird. Mm. I think it was good because it helped me get back to this stage, kind of like what you said, get like the chemical imbalance get back to a place where I was like, I was able to make decisions. Mm. I wasn't worrying about a lot of other things that like I was before I w went on them. But then after about two weeks, I was like, I'm not doing this for another two, two, two weeks. Where you're just taking the pills, taking the pills. Do you know what I mean? Because for me, it was like, now I wanted to get back to the balance. I don't want to tip over to the point where I need them for another two to three weeks. Do you know what I mean? I just needed to remember how it was. Mm -hmm. I, I needed to remember how it was to be able to make clear decisions. And in the grand scheme of things, I'm going to be completely honest with you. Please do. It's not that long a time. No, it's not. You know, there are people who have to take these things either for months at a time, yeah. years, the rest of their lives. Yeah. So the fact that you recognised that you couldn't do, I, I would say, and it's going to, I don't know how it's going to sound, but you're lucky. Yeah. In that you were able to, the two weeks, and you were like, nah, I can't keep doing this. Yeah. And you were able to, you know, build off of the, the stability you got back from the short time on yeah. the medication. Yeah. So you only on for two weeks and that was it. Yeah. So I was on them for two weeks. They give, they give you like a month set, mm -hmm. but I was on them for two weeks and I was like, that's, that's enough. I don't like the side effects because mm. I, I was feeling groggy. I wouldn't say tired, but just a bit like spaced out. Mm. I was, weirdly enough, I was able, all of that space, I guess, was where all the worry was. Okay. And then like it made it easier for me to just think about the information I needed to be able to make decisions, to be able to just focus on me and take care of myself. And I guess in a weird way, just clear, come back to faith, I guess, like clear all my mind away from things which weren't, I guess, of God. Mm -hmm. And kind of, because I think that's quite interesting, which was for me was like, I was able to have the prayer again, where it felt like I was actually being strengthened by it. Mm. Um, so... That was, yeah, so that the, the the second time I had depression, when on the antidepressants, that was good for about two weeks and I left it. I phoned, um, I remember phoning my sisters and they were very upset. Why? Because for them, they were worried that 
I was going to be addicted to the antidepressants and I would have to rely on them. Do you know what I mean? So I understood where they were coming from. I think it was a bit weird because, like, first and foremost, if there was anyone in my family I would have told, it would have been my dad. Mm. But he's no longer here. So I spoke to my sisters and then that was my sister's response. And I was like, yeah, we're going to leave it there with family, I think, for now. So Go on. I want to move forward with what you've just said. Yeah. So mental health and family. Yes. Is always a, I want to say, a minefield. Yeah. With a lot of people. Yeah. I will speak on personal experience in that. So very early on. Yeah. You know, my mum and dad, I'm first generation here. Yeah. My mum and dad came over to this country. My dad's schooling. My mum came to join him from very strict religious Nigerian background. Mm. So in my mum's mind for a very long time, there's nothing prayer I couldn't fix. Yeah. You know? So she'll tell you now that she's very Western. She's very Westernized. Modern. She's no, no Westernized. Oh, Western. Okay, she's that's different. Okay, right. She's, she's too Westernized. Right. But um, for a long time, unless you have the information and the knowledge, yeah. you won't know. Yeah. So I think, and I always call myself the crash test dummy child because I'm the firstborn. Yeah. And they were Amen to that. Still. <laughs> <laughs> they were here on their own. They didn't have like death parents siblings to help them support them mm. in bringing me up but I, I feel like they did a decent job yeah but through my struggles and learning mm. i think they were able to recognize things that were happening not to put my siblings business out there but yeah with my siblings i'm with you so now with my the two youngest yeah. so my brother is 21 yeah and my sister is 16 yeah any sort of sign as to there's something wrong or they're very much so before my mum was very chokehold, like she's in your business yeah. because she's strict. Yeah. Now it's, she's, I won't call it a chokehold, but it's, she's on the pulse. She likes to keep her finger yeah. on our pulse, yeah. checking what's going on with you yeah. mentally, emotionally, spiritually. And that just comes with learning mm. and growth. Mm. I'm aware, and I always say to you, I'm very lucky. Yeah. I'm aware not everyone has that nope. in their families. Nope. Even families who have, oh. I hate when that happens. Well, I'm going to ignore it. No, I'm not going to talk about what happens. Uh, okay, right. Um, <laughs> even people who have been here for generations and generations and generations yeah. still don't recognise or sometimes choose to ignore yeah. because of the stigma. Yes. So I can. So how do we then, when you have a family, and I don't want to say they're not supportive because it's not them not being supportive, Yeah. but when people are, for lack of a better word, stuck in their ways, yeah. stuck in their views on something. Yeah. Like in Nigeria, it's getting better now, but before, people who had mental health issues, and I'm talking the extreme men, yeah. you will see them wandering the streets. Yeah. Absolutely, with no guidance, no help. Yeah. Other people, it's straight to church, and other people, it's... You just ignore it. You sweep it under the rug. Yeah. Now things, I've been told things are a lot better. Yeah. How do you then, with a, so being here, wherever you are in the world, if your family is not a family who recognizes mental health issues for what they are. Yeah. Where do you go from there? Because it's not easy. Because first of all, Mm. you want to talk to the people I find, I want to talk to the people that I trust most. Yeah. You know, the people who are supposed to love me unconditionally. Yes. Quote unquote. Yeah. And would not if understand me, but support me. If you don't feel like you're going to get that support, yeah. What, what now do you do? That's a really good question. So, like for me, mm-hmm. it was like friends, mm-hmm. really, really close friends. Not everyone. No. Um, definitely not everyone. I think as well, if there's people you know have been through like really difficult situations. And are able to offer advice, or at least a listening ear, that helped. Mm-hmm. My managers or my manager helped. Yeah, my manager helped a lot. Like he was always checking in on me. He was like, "Cool." From this point onwards, mm-hmm. every I think it was every week or every other week, uh-huh. we'd have a one-to-one, and it wasn't performance-related or anything else. It was just um, just a chat. Okay. Um, and you never brought any of that stuff up in our one-to-ones. That's good. So I think I had a very understanding manager that was useful. I have really good friends who are like, they'd gone through certain things themselves. Mm. Like just one or two. And there's a lot of them. But yeah, I I just chose to tell one or two. I think the third time around with the the depression, I think what definitely helped me in that sense was like, was my girlfriend. Mm -hmm. Because 
I think the issue that I had the first time was that I had, I, had, I took the, the antidepressants, mm-hmm. but I didn't go for therapy. But the second time? The know. first time. Jeez. Sorry, the second time I didn't go for therapy. Okay. First time I didn't know what it was, that was a relationship. The second time was um, dad. Mm-hmm. The third time was also sparked between dad and work. Mm-hmm. And like, I think what helped this time was the therapy. The therapy was fantastic. Can't even lie. I still took the antidepressants, mm-hmm. but I took the de- antidepressants as well as the therapy. That's good. And that was, I think what helped was because like my girlfriend said to me, you should try. She didn't try, I guess, to be my counselor. No. She, do you know what I mean? Yes. She kind of recommended it. And I was like, nah, man, that's long, man. Um, and then I think she could realize, she could see that it was like, I was struggling thank you she she could see that I was struggling so I think it was important that she she respected the fact that my experience with my mental health was going to be different mm. and that there were going to be people who she could signpost me to or encourage me at the very least mm-hmm. to try and like speak to and and figure out how things or my brain might work so I think if family and to be fair the second time around I spoke to my younger sister my younger sister was a lot more understanding mm. I had to tell her like don't try to be the counsellor. Don't try to fix things. Just listen. And don't ask too many bloody questions. That, okay. <laughs> okay. That is... I'm sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. That is a big thing we have with our friends and family where where we see there's something wrong, Yeah. we immediately want to try to fix it. Yeah. Or we think, you know, all you need to do is talk it out. Yeah. In some cases, sure, that's cool. it. But at the same time, even with all your good intention... You're not, we're not trained professionals. Yeah. And then also it's easy, it's very easy to transfer. Mm. You're, sorry, I've got hiccups. It's all right. <laughs> it's just not cute. Um, it's very easy to transfer your own issues. And project. And project. Yeah. Also, I find, and here's something that's key. Mm. A lot of people will give you advice, and this is not just for mental health, it's yeah, for all things. Everything, yeah, I know you're going to be this guy. <laughs> a lot of people will give you advice according to what they want or what they see for you. Yeah. Not what's best for you. Yes. And this is not always coming from a bad place. Some people have the best of intentions, Yeah. but it's not the right thing. Yeah. So, therapy is a godsend and the way to go. Yeah. Therapy for me worked a lot. The antidepressants worked a lot. Um, I think having a good support network and trusting them as well. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Trusting them, because as far as I'm aware, nobody's spoken about my business. Now, if they hear about it, well, it's like, okay, cool, they've heard about it from me, innit? Yeah. But like, I think having people that you know you can trust is very helpful. What happens if you don't have anyone you can trust? You can't speak, you don't feel like you can speak to your family? I think, and this is going to sound harsh, but I think if you genuinely want to get to a better place, you will you will seek therapy. Yeah. If you haven't got family, you haven't got friends, and you don't just want to rely on the antidepressants, you will seek therapy mm-hmm. because you genuinely want to get better. Yeah. Um, so that would be my advice for somebody who's struggling with family. I think we should try and link, just put some like free numbers and stuff yeah. in the description of the episode. Yeah. For numbers, just in case. For people 100 to call yeah okay so we've looked at like family and yep. personal relationship yep mental health in the workplace right so this is interesting for me because i suffered from it mm-hmm. as a manager mm-hmm. and i also had to <clears throat> i've also had to support people who are struggling with it as well oh so like that's that was interesting mm. the supporting part was really really interesting I think I'll talk very briefly about the part like where I was struggling with it. I think if you're a manager and you're struggling with mental health, which I think is much more likely than people might assume, um, like you have to, how can I put this? If you've done a good enough job at managing your team, they should be able to cope without you whilst you take care of yourself. There you go. Not only that, but they will be willing to. And I think the the second time I I, I had the, the depression, it's still weird to say, the second time I had depression, what I cannot and will forever be grateful for was the effort of my team who didn't have me for about at least between three to four weeks. Like, they were 
great. They were very happy when I got back because they were like, "This is your job is stressful," um, which was, I guess, nice to hear. But like, they were so they were so well put together and they were so trusting of each other. They were so confident in each other that they managed to get on with things without me being there. I only had to step in like once or twice because management issues in it. But like generally for about a month, they were on their own and they survived. That's good. And they were good. That's good. That that speaks highly of them and it speaks highly of you. Yeah. Because it shows that you've given them outside of this, you've entrusted enough work and stuff to them yeah that they could function when you were not there they didn't have to they don't constantly have to refer to you for answers yeah. or stuff like that and you i find in a lot of places and with a lot of people mm. their manager wants to be the the final say on things oh they yeah allow people to have their final say yeah but um that's good yeah so for a manager mm. you need to make sure that your team are able in a place mm. That they can cope without you. Yeah. But yeah, because there will be times where you can't always be there. Yeah, like I think you've always got to ask your question as a manager. Do you trust your team with your job? Mm. If you can't, mm. <laughs> that's just that's just, and there's no other time that that's going to be tested. Well, it's going to be tested all of the time, but you really find out when you're different. struggling. It's different from if you're taking a week off for a holiday or ten days, and you come back, you can yeah. probably jump on or fix whatever's gone wrong. Huh? Right. But a long time, a long leave. Yeah. Like yeah. a month, and it's weird because you're there, but you're not available because mm. they realize that you have to take care of yourself, yeah. And so, like, I think that's one of the questions you always have to ask yourself is, Do you, as a manager, trust your team with your job? Thankfully, at the time, like, I definitely could. Mm-hmm. And to be fair, the third time I had it, I could also trust my or at that time teams with my job. So, like, I think building a culture where everyone can communicate, they know each other's roles. Um, and they can rely on each other even when you're not there is really, really important. And I think mm. the other thing I said was I'd communicate with my team that things weren't, like, be prepared mm-hmm. for me to have to take some time off. Okay. Because my dad was ill for quite some time. They'd known about it, to be fair, because mm-hmm. um, I had to just be honest with them. Like, yeah, my open. Right. So I was like, my dad's going through some things. There's a very high likelihood that he's going to leave or pass at some point. If that happens, we're preparing for it, innit? We're prepared. So that was that. That was good. So communicating with them. I think some managers might struggle with that one. Mm. You can go tell them the whole story, but just be like, look, I've got family issues at the moment. Basically, one of my close family members might be passing on. Oh, so whatever it is, it's out. not that. Well, you know, you yourself, I'm going through some stuff. Yeah. I don't really feel confident or feel like sharing. Yeah. I'm going to probably take some time away. Yeah. Yeah. Also, yeah. everyone has a manager. So if things get difficult, your manager, if needs be, so the head of will won't have a lot of time, but probably will step in, put their finger in yeah. somewhere, somehow. Yeah. So, you know, if and so if your team is not prepared, then get your team prepared because it's and you, you, you always want if you must, you know, if you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. Exactly. Exactly. So your team should always be prepared <clears throat> for any eventualities. So let's move on to, as a manager, yeah. supporting with, or for lack of a word, dealing with yeah. a team member who has some mental health issues. Right. So that's kind of linked to the, the first part, right? When mm-hmm. you've got to communicate it. Because I think by me communicating when I've had issues, mm-hmm. my team members have also then felt confident enough to be able to like say that they're struggling with certain things. So like I've had team members who are dealing with all sorts Standard ones like anxiety, depression, just, I guess, general stress. Burnout is always an interesting one. Burnout is always an interesting one. So, like, I think when you're managing people who have got mental health concerns, Mm -hmm. I think that's when you have to immediately think about the person and not the position that they're in. I think it's very easy for managers to be like, oh, this person is, like, in terms of results, Mm -hmm. rather than the person who's behind the position, who's making the results happen in the first place. So, like, when you know your teams, like, I remember there was a situation where one of my team members was going through some things, and I could see that their mood wasn't really, they weren't as chirpy as they normally were, mm-hmm. right? So, like, I could see that something was up. They'd also had a certain issue, they also had other issues happening outside of work. And so, for me, I recognised that, but I also recognised that they didn't necessarily feel comfortable talking about it. Okay. So... Funnily enough, because I was going through my counselling thing, mm-hmm. right, I spoke to them about a service that I was using, 
right? Um, I just said, look, for me, she, they didn't tell me about what the issue was that they was going through. Mm-hmm. I just said, look, sometimes for me, when I'm going through like a low period of time or I'm just feeling like really sad or depressed, like one of the things I've now started to do is like go through, go through this therapy. They call this thing in therapy like TFB. Mm-hmm. So thoughts, feelings, behavior cycle. Mm-hmm. And then for that particular person, it made them open up because they were also going through the same thing. Okay. So now we were having a conversation and we were holding each other accountable to making sure that we finished the therapy together. Okay. So that was really, really useful. Sharing my situation was useful for them. To be fair, I learned that from my manager because when, or my previous manager, my second manager wasn't the greatest for helping me deal with my mental health at all. If anything, they just triggered it a bit more. Yeah. Right, but my we'll first talk ma- about that after. right, we will do. My first manager, however, was really good at like accommodating for it, talking to me about it, and not only that, but when he was doing it, it made it meant I stayed in the game, mm. and not only that, I wanted to stay in the game, and I stayed in the game, and I was healthy within it as That's well. Good. Whereas the second time around, like going upwards, I found it very difficult to tell my manager that I was going through something because uh, to be to an extent, a lot of it had been brought on by the higher ups mm-hmm. so I was like this is long and I didn't feel too comfortable talking to them about it and it didn't make me feel yeah and that's a real shame um, sorry to interrupt you go on that's right. I've done anyway <laughs> where I am currently <laughs> yep without putting too much out there yeah there are some really good people who are very accommodating to people who are have their mental health issues or whatever yeah outside of work struggles that they're going through yeah and there are others that I know would not would know would nowhere be would not be anywhere as accommodating as others. Mm. For some, it's as long as you know you're getting the work done, yeah, and you're healthy and you're looking after yourself and whatever, yeah. Then we can work with you, yeah. Others, it's you've become a burden. Okay, well, I'm with you. And you know there are a lot, I, and it's sad to say, I feel like even in this day and age that we're in now, mm. there are still managers who will treat you. Like, like a means a to an end. Yeah. yeah. No, not a means to an end, but like, or it's a burden or that, you know, you're letting down because, you know, there's... Yeah, I know, you, like, in terms of, like, there will only... Because the means isn't functioning mm. in terms of you as a, as a part of that team, isn't functioning as you should be. Yeah. You're now a burden, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, also, being open about it, people have fears. Yeah. It can lead to a whole load of other things. Because yeah. as much as things are supposed to be selling confidence... Gossip, gossip, uh, English office, yeah, gossip, yeah, is rife, yes, you know, you don't want people talking about you, looking at you in strange ways. Mm. We've had instances recently at work where not anyone on my team specifically, yeah, but there's been a person who's had some, I don't know what's going on in her life, yeah, or his life, I would say, I won't, um, be specific, don't assume, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'll oh, be okay. specific about the person. Right, sorry, yeah. But this person had a has had more than one episode at work, mm. has shown signs of strange behaviour at social gatherings. Yeah. People have looked at this person and thought, Okay, you this the person has been known or people have assumed, but just looking at this person's demeanour and the way they are, okay, clearly this person has some mental health issues mm. but they're functioning, they're fine, they're yeah. working through that work every day. But when this person started to exhibit more behaviour, more worrying behaviour, people, and I think it's a bit acting too late. Okay. I think people left it and didn't say anything. Yeah. Because, you know, it's not our British culture, I feel, to yeah. like, call someone out yeah. on what's going on with yeah. stuff like that. Very you know? conflict averse. So until I, I personally see that until things got, until they got to a head, is when something was done yeah. or said about it. And then at the same time, you do have to be careful in, in the workplace about what you say to people because you no one wants to offend anyone and everyone's waiting to be offended. <laughs> you don't want to then trigger something in the person if that's not what they're going through. Yeah. Hate, dealing with HR. <laughs> let's, yes! Let's talk about let's that. Let's deal with HR. Let's talk yes. about because at where I am currently, you know, as part of, you know, every, every work was during Mental Health Awareness Week, send out emails. Yeah. They did a thing where on Monday they had biscuits out for people to come and have biscuits with their tea and have a chat. Yeah. They 
put out some profiles they made you aware that there's a number of numbers people you can contact they let you know who the mental health person and hr is to go and talk to yeah i don't trust that hoe with an inch of my life <laughs> okay i'll tell you that now there is yeah. no way i would approach this woman yeah if i was feeling or when i am feeling away yeah H- hr is a very yeah they, some, you get some good ones and you get some that are like oh. i guess trying to make sure the company doesn't fold because that's what they're there. okay side note yeah side bar, hr is not for human resources they shouldn't call it that I'm because, not a fan of the term either, to be fair. Because they're not there for the people. They're there for the company. Yeah. They're there to make sure the company doesn't get sued, doesn't get in trouble, doesn't break any personnel regulations. Essentially, let's be real. You don't think that's a bit cynical, for. though? No, it's the truth. I think, because I think, and this is when you get really, really good HR people. And I, I know some HR people. Okay. And to be fair, they have the same gripes as you, that they don't get to focus on, like, training and culture development. And it's mostly, like, it, it's about... In employee the, grievances and stuff like that that's what they engage if someone if you work somewhere where they have someone who works on engagement yeah that'll be their role yeah hr is payroll yeah is making sure that they're not breaking any personnel laws yep and to make sure they have the you have all your paperwork they're there for the company yeah they're the company's safety net not the um employee yeah like I ha- i've always had this vision of when we have a big enough team to need a hr department to be fair i want to have an hr I want to have somebody developing HR from the get-go. I had, like, one person before, mm-hmm. and she was great. Um, but, like, for me, I've already decided I'm not going to call it HR. I'm going to call them prep. Okay. So people, relationships, and experiences. Oh, that's good. Right? So, th- like, that's their main focus. So, like, because I do want to change the HR game, because I do think that when it comes to situations like mental health, uh, it's not... I get the company aspect of it, but then what you also don't want is that you start to develop a culture where people begin to leave when their confidences are kind of proven to make them feel like they are a burden. Mm. And that's not okay. No. Do you know what I mean? So I, I totally get what you mean about HR because I've had, I've only needed to speak to HR once okay. when it came to like, I wouldn't say it was immediately connected to my mental health, but my manager was getting on my nerves big time. And you see me, yeah, like I'm somebody who has... <laughs> no, I had to. I had to. Because you know what it was, yeah? Do you know what it was, yeah? Like, like brave, brave soul. No, I, I had to do it. Because for me personally, I like to sort out situations for myself, innit? Yeah. But like, I gonna, like, they basically CC'd in HR into a particular issue that I didn't feel like needed to be CC'd into. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I, I, I'm always one of these people, like, I don't want to have to play games, but if we have to, if you want to play games, then we can, can play do games. That. Do you know what I mean? So like, I've then gone, because the email that, it was about, I can't remember what it was specifically, but it was something to do with like something I hadn't done. Mm-hmm. But then my thing was, I tried to do it and there had been no support. Mm-hmm. So like, oh, and then they were calling my performance and my professionalism into question. Ooh. And I was like, and, and the mad thing is, right? The mad thing is I was brought in with the sole reasoning that the teams, that I, I was taking over two teams mm-hmm. of six the reason I was being brought in was because, long story short, there was a there was, it was a bit of a crisis situation mm-hmm. where a lot of team members, to be fair, when I got in, they were looking to leave, like, and that would have just been stress for not only the company but also our client, which mm-hmm. was a school or two schools. So it's like, okay, I've come in, I've done my job, dummy, I've done my job. My team are incredibly now high performing, or teams are very very high performing, mostly through their own backs. To be fair, like ninety percent of the work. I just gave them a strategy and some resources. They do all of the work. Cool. Now you're questioning my professionalism. The teams are fantastic. Funnily enough, if you were like, and then you look at the metrics, like how you judge whether or not somebody's done a good job. Mm-hmm. And like, for me, one of, because it was a, a yearly program. So I usually tend to judge it on how many people do you keep in a team and how many of them also complete the program. Mm-hmm. I had 12 that I started off with. All 12 completed the program. That's 100%. Thank you. In every other team, at least one or two people dropped off. In every other team. Okay. So I've done my job. Okay. So let's go back to the HR issue. So back to the HR issue. So basically, calling my my, my professionalism and and, and into question. And then I'm just basically feeling like I have absolutely no support from higher up at Mm -hmm. all. And to be fair, I was made very quickly. I was made aware very, very quickly that that was going to be the case when I went back to work. Because, like, without talking too much, 
there'd been situations where people on my team had been like really forcefully, I guess, dictated to it's what they can do and what they can't do. And they weren't feeling safe. So if I'm honest, I spent probably like 90% of my year making sure that my managers didn't see my team so that I could protect them, if that made sense, because mm. the higher-ups were just... My higher-up was so toxic. I was like, we're not doing that. Do you know what I mean? So, like, that was them. So I've got to deal with this pressure for making sure my higher-ups don't basically get on my team's nerves. Mm. Um, and that caused a lot of stress to the point where now we're doing HR emails doing CCing. Long story short, right? I'll give you, this, this is the funny part. Long story short, so I've done my job. We've got to the end of the year. Um, the manager's taken a picture with all of her, all of the line managers on the team. She crops me out of the photo. Oh, stop, petty. Yeah, yeah. She crops me out of the photo. You can see my arm. You can see my arm, but you can't see me. Okay. And I was like, that's, that's fine. That's, That's a fine. real act of aggression. Right. Do you know what I mean? So, and basically HR made sure that after, I think for the last month, like we didn't see each other anywhere. And she's your direct manager. And she, she, she became my direct manager because my other direct manager left. So every, I had to then report to her. And before then, to be fair, my other direct manager, it was weird because we were on the same level before I left because I came back. Mm. So before I left, we, ha we had a very honest conversation because we had a bit of a conflict about like how certain things should be done. Mm -hmm. Anyways, I said to her, I think you're very, as I was leaving, I think you're very happy that I'm not staying because I think managing me would have been stressful. The irony, right? Because I come back a couple of months later and now you're managing me. And it was, it was, it was, it was stress. And to be fair, like she complained a lot about some of the pressures that she had, which I think she then projected onto me. But like, I realized how bad it was because she came to see one of our clients mm -hmm and was like they were having a conversation about me because I'd just come in so mm -hmm. they were trying to find out how I'd, how had I settled in in terms of managing the team and 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 whatever and the school's manager was like David's very particular he knows what he wants he knows exactly what the team's here to do and he's very strong in his convictions about making sure it happens and he's very, I guess, he wants to make sure that things are happening in the right places for the right reasons. Mm -hmm. So anyways, she's had that conversation. She's basically related to me and she's done a whole load of projection in the sense where she's calling me a micromanager and how I like to control everything that happens, et cetera, et cetera. And I've never looked at a situation, going back to the whole projection thing and been like, you're talking about yourself. And then she asked me, does any of that resonate with you in terms of how you think you're, you're doing your role? And I'm quite reflective mm -hmm. I'm fairly self-aware mm -hmm. so I was like no that's not me I didn't say that was you but I just said it's not me but oh, imagine all of this pressure I've then got depression and anxiety at the same time because my managers aren't doing their job and I was like this is just long okay so how do we then practically deal with these situations HR <laughs> HR. <laughs> HR but aside from I HR I think before you go to HR though yeah because okay there's a there's a protocol for these things. Yeah, 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 yeah. You've got to see. So you have to, <laughs> you have to follow. So find out your protocol. Normally, it's if you have an issue with your manager, yeah. you go to your manager's manager. Yeah. If you can't approach that person... I did that. You go to their manager. Yeah. If you can't approach that person, that person is on a too high level you're not supposed to. Yeah. Then you go to HR. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to be careful now when you go to HR people. Because you can't be one of these people that are constantly in and out of HR, yeah. complaining about one person or the other. Yeah. They're not going to take you seriously. It's got to be bad. So, And you've got to present your case. You have to be careful because you don't want to make it look like you've left it too... Oh, it's, all, it's all very bureaucratic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all very... It's pedantic, the right word? Yeah. Because you have to know what you're saying, have be able a lot to of prove receipts. your case, yep. but it's not like you've been taking notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's weird because you didn't think it was going to be it, that thing until it's that you, thing. They want you to take notes. They want you to be able to prove it. Yeah. But they don't want you to take notes. Yeah. Because it's like you were, it's better, instead of doing your work, you spent time keeping a diary or watching <laughs> this person. Do you know what I mean? So you have to be careful in what you're doing, but you have to be assured in what you're saying. Yeah. Also. Archive every email. Yeah. That. Also, I think if you don't know how to approach it, you're not getting the help that you need. Yeah. Citizens Advice Bureau. 
Oh, okay. I don't know how helpful they are, but they're yeah. a free service. Yeah. When it comes to like things like that, work, whatever, complaints, yeah. you may be able to get some information mm. from them. It's all about informing yourself and empowering yourself. Yeah. I feel like when people feel self-empowered, mm. it helps a lot in their mental health yeah. growth issues, 100%. journey, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. So if you can try, and I know it's a lot easier said than done because I've been there too. I know I haven't shared much, mm. but if you can, if you don't have, I'm lucky in that, I don't, I'm lucky in that my current manager is very aware of our moods. I work on a team solely of girls. Yeah. So it's great sometimes, sometimes it's not. That's always interesting, that one. But um, <laughs> she is very good and she's very in tune with our moods and the way yeah. we work, Yeah. how we work, our, the way we certain things we say without saying them yeah 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 so as you can read between our lines i i personally feel she reads between my lines quite well yeah i don't know what my other team members would tell you yeah but for me personally for you, yeah. i have a friend who is not to put her not to put her business out there she could be a manager but she refuses yeah so her role is different she like sits above the manager yeah so she doesn't have to actually do the managing of the team okay but sometimes she does it anyway yeah and this is because she's an empath Okay. So she can't, but when people tell her things, take it on and really feel that emotion. Yeah. And that's not good for her mental. No, I think it's just, just on that point. I think that's the, one of the hardest parts is that when your team members do tell you stuff, it's like, it depends on what the situation is. Because mm. some cases it's like, and it sounds harsh, mm. but it's like, I guess... I'm not going to allow you to quit on yourself. Mm. And so I do have to appear to be harsh and to be strict and to be like, no, you're not going home and no, you're not quitting and no, you're not doing this. If you genuinely believe that person is able to overcome it, that's hard. But then there are some times where it's like, this person needs to either go home or not be in the building. They've got stuff to take care of. Mm. And that's a really hard, like when you bear all of their emotions, sometimes it's difficult to be or to appear empathetic mm. and still encourage somebody to carry on with their job. Although you truly are. And also to be objective. Yeah. Like, so I know for that, she doesn't want to manage because she knows that about herself. And I think that is, a, like we always say, self-awareness is a real strength. Exactly. Other people don't recognise that in themselves. What, so, the self-awareness part? Or? Yeah, or that they're the kind of person that they are. Yeah. So, you know, some people are, I don't want to say through no fault of their own. Yeah. But they're just obtuse. And what do you mean by that? Like, so, so, like, they're just not that like, you're difficult on purpose. Yeah. But like, someone says something to you, they're not they're not um good at reading between the lines or even just taking what they've said at face value. Oh yeah, yeah. I was really bad at that at the beginning. I was very bad. So yep. there are some, and when you're like that, it's not it's not helpful to your team. So to Agreed. round, <laughs> so to round off, because <laughs> we've gone all over the place, but yeah. to round off. So, you know, if you're experiencing, if you're a manager, and also if you're a manager and your team member, whoever it is that you're managing, may be experiencing something difficult and you don't know what to do yourself, you can go to HR without actually outing the team member. Yeah. Yes, and you then can. also you can say to your team member, they may not, because you have to do what's best for the, not just best for them, but what's best for the team, what's yes. best for the company. Yes. So there may be some instances where they say, if they say they're not comfortable, you go into HR about it. You have to like almost play your trump card in that, okay, I'm aware that this is not what you want, but unfortunately this, this has, has to happen. happen. Yeah. I think you have to really know your HR team now. Yeah, definitely. You have I to really have to, know. We'll have to have a separate podcast on difficult conversations. Yeah, we'll get maybe get the HR lot in there, to be fair. Okay, well, I someone H- a HR Yeah, yeah, I know, I know a couple of men then from HR. Okay. So. We'll just talk about that later difficult, on Difficult, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, so, yeah. Mental health managers. Um, so you finished going, because that's where you was. I think that's what, I was like, yeah, so sometimes, you know, you have to refer to HR if you don't know what to do in those situations. Mm-hmm. It's through no fault of your, you should, there should be some training I received training, to right. be fair. I received a little bit of training in mental health first aid. It's only a little bit, though. It's only a little bit. I need so, to get my certificate. Right. But not everyone, not all companies do that kind of training. No, they don't. Not everyone in their years and years of managing and working through have had, you know, they're, I would say they are lucky in that as a regular word from your blessed, I should say, in that yeah. they haven't had to deal with any situation 
like that. Mm. So if you don't know what to do, okay, yeah, you have to know your HR team, but at yeah. the same time, yeah. they're the people you need to buy the book of your company yeah. to refer to in those situations. Yeah, don't be because ne- if you're ne- if you're negligent of HR in your company, then in a weird way, you're also going to be negligent of taking care of your no, team you members. No, definitely are. It's not weird. And you can't you can't afford to do both. And not yeah, your team your team member may at that mo- immediate time be like, oh, I can't trust a manager, but it's like you've only done that with their best interests at heart. Yeah. And you might just have to take that one on the chin for a bit, but hope that your team member understands why you did it in the long run. So do you want to do the question now? Yeah, let's do the question. So we're, right. every episode from now on, we're going to be answering um, a particular question. Dami will pick it out at random and then ask me. And then if she feels like she wants to, then she will do. Yeah. Um, sure. <laughs> um, so, <clears throat> all right, hit us with it. Um, okay. In light of you talking about your dad passing. Yeah. And, you know, he was someone that you sought advice from. Yeah. You held his word to a very high standard or level. Yeah. Who now Yeah. do you look up to? Oh, that's a really good question. So who do I look up to yeah. in terms of what, though? That was just all the questions. Just said. Who, who do I look you, up to? Who do you look up to? So weirdly enough, right, I think this is something that doesn't get spoken about a lot. I think when it came to depression... I gained a lot of perspective when I read my Bible and saw that Jesus and Paul both dealt with depression. Okay. Because I think, especially for church folk, right, it's like, you don't really, from what I've experienced anyway, I've never seen somebody talk about depression, biblically speaking, Mm. and say, look, boom, here, Jesus had depression. Or boom, here's Paul had depression. Mm. So it's like, immediately, you have this, you have God basically saying, look, I've struggled with this too and I've overcome it so that you can learn how to overcome it as well. Mm. So for me personally, that helped because I think I hadn't expected that from my experience of faith. A bit more pragmatically, if you're not spiritually inclined, I think, um, who do I look up to when it comes to mental health? Well, just in general. Do you know what? Funny enough, Pep Guardiola... (laughs) Sure, okay. Pep Guardiola, so... I don't know who that is. So, Manchester City manager. Uh, the bald head guy. The bald head guy. <laughs> the bald head guy. I, I look up to him a lot. He is an absolute genius. Um, and not just in a footballing sense. It's also in terms of taking care of his players. Okay. And I think that's one of the things that not everyone sees. But, like, for example, with Messi. Messi was at a stage where, when he was playing for Pep Guardiola at Barcelona, mm-hmm. long story short, he wanted to go and play for Argentina. Mm-hmm. Barcelona, the clubs, didn't want him to go. Pep, I think, stepped up and was like, Messi, go. You want to represent your country? Go. And Messi won the Olympic gold medal at that tournament. And so, weirdly enough, he taken care of... That's weird. Oh, okay. Weird enough, he taken care of Messi's interests and the things that he was passionate about. Mm-hmm. And that helped him to gain some, I guess, confidence from Messi that he was going to be a good manager and that he was going to take care of people. Because that's another thing that, especially with mental health or management, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Okay, that's true. Do you know what I mean? So I think for me personally, Pep Guardiola, as a manager, is a person to look up to. I think as an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. I'd probably say... Oh... It would probably be between Gary V and or Gary Vaynerchuk and Steve Jobs. Okay, I think people will know who Gary V is. I think yeah, and then Steve Jobs. Um, not so much on the people management side. Steve Jobs was quite yeah. Uh, funny enough, me and him actually have the same personality type. Well, there you go. Right. Um, but then I think the balance in terms of what Gary V's doing. I see it. You constantly wear turtlenecks, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Even in the summertime, yeah, I love a roll neck, you do. I do. <laughs> anyway, I do. moving on. Um, and to be fair, I'm trying to minimise my wardrobe anyway to make better decisions. So, like, 
I like Steve Jobs in terms of innovation and his desire to change the game. Mm-hmm. Same thing for Gary Vee, but I think from Gary Vee's perspective, it's more about how does he take care of his his staff and his personnel and make sure that everyone gets on. Um, as well as his long-term goal in terms of having or buying the Jets. Yeah. Like, I have my own-term goal. I'm not going to explain what it is. I'm not going to tell anyone yeah, what it is. Goal, yep. Long-term vision, vision. Yeah. It is part of ES, but man's going to talk too much. You get me? Okay. But yes, yeah, so I think those will be the three people I look up to. Jesus, um, but also Gary Vee in terms of taking, um, uh, an entrepreneur who takes care of people mm-hmm. and Steve Jobs in terms of changing the game. Oh, who do I look up who to? Who do you look up to? I mean, no, no, I don't know. Um, do you know, I don't know if there's any specific, specific people. Yeah. Apart from like, obvious reasons my parents yeah just because you know they've been doing this marriage thing for a long time yeah and to me it looks like they're doing it very successfully yep my mother as a my mum as a mother i look up to her and as a wife yeah you know my dad as a father a provider mm. and as a husband yep i look up to him so i'm lucky that I have, i've got those immediate examples yeah i think in terms of work ethic and resilience I'm going to say two really obvious ones. Mm. Serena Williams. Oh, yes. And Beyonce. Yeah. Serena, because even in the face of a lot of, like, criticism, in the face of... And, like, obviously she's a champion. Yeah. And we see the work that she puts in. Yeah. To the point where, you know, people say to you, it's not healthy to have children later on in life. Yeah. But she's had her daughter now after in her mid 30s and she's faced even with coming from her background like she grew up in the hoods mm. her with her dad you know training her dad didn't know anything about tennis their dad i believe yeah didn't know much about it when he started training yeah her. and look at where both her and her sister are through all of like the adversity that she's faced to people telling you what you can and can't wear mm. to people oh my god the world making fun of your appearance yep something that in all honesty she has no control real control over like and yeah. still she can she still continues to rise above women yeah what, making clothes for women with physiques like her yeah she started a clothing line agree yeah you, yeah 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 yeah, so yeah. Like, is it and the logo is kind of like an s in the shape of a tennis ball kind of thing isn't it i, I think i don't remember right but um yeah she started that that was years ago she like hasn't like just, named the stadium after her or something in part of their headquarters in head in, in oregon i wouldn't be surprised because and in the face of all her criticism and it's not even real criticism because criticism is supposed to make you better she's hate it is in the face of all the hate she's still wins. jealousy yeah she's i think i'm sure she's the most successful tennis player of all time well she ought to be i'm sure she is um beyonce just because you know before even before homecoming but after watching that just the real work ethic yeah and consistency this woman puts in like yeah it's you can say it's easy because she's beyonce but it's not because <laughs> beyonce was not beyonce until she became beyonce Do you know it, yeah, I mean? yeah 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 like with so with that and that she's faced a lot of constant like the under a microscope do you know what i respect about beyonce the most Go on. the control Mm. in that we don't know anything realistically to, for the most part unless she wants us to know it yeah there's like, some little instances so like with the whole um lift situation all those years ago yeah but for the most part like she 99 percent of stuff she controls she yeah. controls the narrative for it yeah and it's very hard to do in this day and age when people have such easy access to you and information yeah so for like work ethic and for like me as a black woman yeah those are two black women I look up to. Obviously, like Oprah, but then sometimes she does some things, and I'm just like, really, oh, really? Yeah, th- that's neither here nor there. Can I just say on the just? Let me let you finish. Yeah. Sorry. No, go on. I was just gonna say, especially like as a black man, I think one person I look up to a lot, especially when it comes to education, is Akala. Yeah. Like the way that he's able to articulate a point that, like everybody understands, he's and he comes with receipts. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Everything is very eloquent. Everything's clear. There's like, and he's, he knows his stuff. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I think, especially as a teacher, that's the level of clarity that I hope to attain. We hope we have been helpful. Yes. We hope we have given great advice. We, we are going to put some 
numbers and whatever yeah i was gonna say actually like at, at my old workplace they had an evap number okay. in terms of if you had any like mental health concerns or struggles at work so like we'll find two or three numbers to put in the description so that people can contact mm. um certain services if they feel they need yeah. to okay if you have any questions dilemmas or just some general stuff you wanted to know about the podcast about es leaders then yeah. please email Hello yep. at ElliotShepherds.uk. Yes, Dami! Yeah. You know when you're doing marketing yes, there, get me? <laughs> so, yes, hello at Elliot, that's with two L's and two T's. Yes. Shepherds.uk. Great. Um, also, tickets are live, have been live. Yes. Um, so please go and get them at Eventbrite. There's a link on the Instagram page. We've nearly sold out of pairs, early uh, birds uh, tickets. Yep, so... There's only a couple of those left, and then the other Eddie Bears and the general general admission. Yep. So please get your tickets early to avoid disappointment. Spaces are limited as well. Um, it promises to be again a good event. That's for our legacy event on the twentieth of July, two thousand nineteen. I think we might talk about that next episode. You know, the event. Yeah. Okay. In terms of what to look forward to. Okay, we don't, but you don't want to give away... No, I'm not going to give away too, too much. Don't get twisted. Don't just get twisted. Tista. <laughs> just taste this. Just taste this. Just taste this. Just taste this. No, no, not at all. All right, then. Cool. Anything else? No, that's it. Um, that's, that's no it. No announcements or anything? Are you going to be anywhere? Um, Any things you're doing? No. No. Bloggers always. Yeah, and... Yeah. Podcasters always. Socials. Socials um, are always in the description below. Um, but, yeah. And any um, email us topics that you might want us to talk about in mm. terms of leadership or like personal development, career development. It's not yours. Like I said, any questions, topics you want us to discuss, yeah, and stuff like that. I think I might. We might have. We have to do HR soonish. You know. Okay. I'll I'll, I'll give my links a chat uh, a quick text. All right then. See what one. Okay. No problem. <laughs> oh, yeah. No problem. What, why are you laughing? Sounds bad flipping. It's all right though. Did it? Yeah. My apologies. No, it's alright. My it's fine. I know how it's. Do you know what it was? I knew what it was, but I also knew how it could sound. Oh, okay. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I sound mad shady sometimes. It's I'm fine. not that though. It's like, I know. That's why. I, sometimes I knew I what am, it was. That wasn't shade. I know. I know. I knew what it was, but I just knew how it could sound as well. All right then. <laughs> we hope you have enjoyed this week's episode. You know, again, check in with each other. Look after yourselves. Yep. And as always, please continue to lead your legacy. Take care, peeps. Bye bye. Bye.